It wasn't quite an Iron Bowl, but Jalen Milrow was in the house as Alabama handed Auburn their first SEC loss of the season. Andy, that makes this conference race much more interesting. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there. This is Isaac Shade, and I'm joined with Andy Patton, your co-host. We love being with you every day on this show, and we want to thank, in particular, you everydayers for joining us to get your college basketball content every day. If you haven't joined our Locked On College Basketball Discord community, man, we'd love to have you as part of it. We're talking college basketball all day long. It's a free thing to join. The link for it is in the show notes. Andy, this episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Coming up on the show today, we're going to take you to Chicago, where Northwestern got another overtime win over a top team in the Big Ten. We got a six-pack for you coming up. All sorts of great stuff, but we're going to start in the SEC. And uh, man, by the way, I'm chuckling a little bit right now. And y'all, it's because let me take you behind the scenes. I kept flubbing the cold open like 87 miles. It's a smooth. It was totally smooth. It's so smooth. Uh, anyway, Andy and I were having fun with that. So that's why we're laughing. Um, so Andy, let's go to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, hosting Auburn. And tell you what, man, the Crimson Tide get this thing 79 to 75. Mm-hmm. Um, it was weird. The end of the first half, it was tight. Um, there was um, Bama just kind of raced out to this 14 point halftime lead. Auburn comes all the way back, but ultimately the Crimson Tide proved too strong at home for Auburn. Andy, I didn't think this would be the way it would happen because all, all three of the four units in this game were elite. The non-elite unit was the Alabama defense. And I thought that would be what, what kind of won the day for Auburn. Didn't turn out to be true. Yeah. I, the uh, Mark Sears was lighted up, even though the Alabama stadium wasn't, wasn't lighted up. They oh, had some serious what, lighting what, issues. To start that game. <laughs> Janai Broom hit a three in the dark and that was how the game started. It felt like it was not, not going to be a day for the Crimson Tide, literally with the lights going out, but instead Mark Sears, fantastic performance from him in the Crimson Tide, 11 of 30 from deep. Uh, if you're going to shoot like that from beyond the arc and out-rebound your opponent, really, really good chance to win here. And, and this is, honestly, this was the first really big test for Auburn. And Auburn was in a really odd spot that a handful of teams have kind of found themselves in where it, it wasn't a lack of effort in terms of their non-conference scheduling, but because teams like USC and teams like Indiana just didn't meet the preseason expectations. Uh, Auburn kind of came into this game without really having proven themselves with a lot of wins. They were really highly regarded by the metrics because they were blowing out teams, blowing out USC, blowing out Indiana, blowing out teams in the SEC. And so the computers really loved them, but they needed to be tested. They needed to face a really legitimate test. And they go to Tuscaloosa and they face that test in Alabama. And and they don't pass. And I don't think that that's some huge, you know, glaring indictment on this team. I don't think it, it, you know, should dramatically alter how we feel about them. But this was a test that that we expected to see them pass, and they did not. And some of that's on them. They, you know, you don't want to get out rebounded by a team like this, and 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 not scoring. I mean, seventy five points against a defense in Alabama that typically gives up more than that, uh, I think is is not great 
for Bruce Pearl's team. But really, I think this says a lot about an Alabama team that really needed to come in here and get a victory after their loss to Tennessee, like after their yeah. SEC regular season uh, perfect record was was taken away from them by the Vols. Like they needed this one and they went out and got it. And, and a shout out to Nate Oates and their team for doing so. And what's interesting is we get the rematch like two weeks yeah. to the day away back in Auburn. So that'll be fun as well. Andy, let's look big picture on it a little bit because we got a couple of other SEC games we're going to get to. Mm-hmm. Auburn still does not have a quad one victory. I don't know how that's possible. Um, but, well, honestly, it's probably because a lot of what you just said, yeah. the fact that a lot of these teams that probably should have been quad one games have not been. Mm-hmm. Consequently, I mean, you got to go from Auburn uh, all the way down to number 29 in the net before you find another team that doesn't have a quad one victory. We're not going to mention the name of that team right now, Andy, because I care about you uh, deeply. And um, But, like, I, I just don't know. What do you do with that from a resume standpoint? How do you properly evaluate the Tigers right now? Yeah, and I think, again, I think it comes back, comes down to, like, the fact that they're blowing out these teams really does kind of mess with how they're perceived because people people utilize the computers in a lot of ways. And frankly, the two teams that have been kind of the hardest for in terms of how the AP voters and just general college basketball fans are viewing them compared to the computers are Auburn and Alabama. Like absolutely correct. That were like in the top five in, in Ken Palm, top 10 in Torvik, really high in the net without having these quad one games, without having a resume that necessarily kind of passed the smell test with regards to where they were viewed by the, the metrics. And and that's kind of what made this game so, so fascinating. It's like, I don't know that a four-point win for Alabama necessarily screams like, oh, Alabama's clearly the superior team and Auburn is frauds. Like it, that's too far of a way to go, but like we said, it was a chance for Auburn to prove it and they didn't pass the test. And now they have to do it somewhere else, whether it's the next time these two teams face, whether it's when they face Kentucky or when they face Tennessee, like they have to prove, like if you want to be the first, second, third best team in this conference, you have to beat those teams. Auburn hasn't had a chance to play them, but they didn't beat, they beat, they didn't beat Alabama who's in that conversation as well. So I think it puts the, a little bit more pressure on them because they don't have that resume backing them up again not necessarily their fault that Indiana and USC and others are bad, but you, you, when you don't have as many opportunities, you've got to take advantage of them and, and they didn't do it tonight. Yeah. And you talk about Mark Sears and what a great game he had. Janai Broom was probably the best mm-hmm. player on the floor, 25 points, 14 boards, five blocks, Andy, great stuff for Auburn. Jalen Williams. I think that's part of the issue tonight or on, on Wednesday night is that Jalen mm-hmm. Williams didn't do enough in this game. Andy, we should probably move to the rest of the SEC, huh? Yeah. Um, yeah. We're not, um, look, Florida takes care of Mississippi State, 79 to 70. Um, Andy, this is great for Florida. I just, Mississippi State is not who we thought they were going to be, even now that they're playing more back at full strength. Yeah. No, and shout out to Florida. Will Will Richard, uh, 9-1 for the Gators when he scores 10 or more points, uh, 4-5 and five when he does not. He had 23 in this one. Huge performance from them. Uh, but yeah, the Mississippi State is just, they've been inconsistent. We kind of, we liked them a little bit earlier in the year, but they just haven't proven it. Uh, now they're what, four, two and four? Two and four in the SEC. Yeah, they're just not getting it done. They're a team that's kind of slowly even falling out of even that bubble conversation right now. For Florida, I think they're kind of, I think both these teams are kind of right on the bubble. And that's why this is a big win for Todd Golden and the Gators, because I think it gives them a little bit of an advantage. And, and we'll probably see that bear out when, when we get some updated bubble watch bracketology stuff later in the week. I, I think Florida's going to be on the right side of it in part because they won this one. 
Yeah, in fact, let me just, I was just looking at Joe Lenardi's like kind of bracketology setup for mm-hmm. Wednesday, and he said another significant SEC tilt with nine seed Mississippi State trying to avoid falling onto the bubble yeah. and the next and the next four out Gators desperate to move up. So probably yeah. uh, as as we relook at stuff on Wednesday, obviously we've seen it by the time you're listening to or watching this, mm-hmm. um, we'll, we'll know, but I would imagine that Florida is moving up some and that Mississippi State probably still in the field but might fall into that that 10 range or needing to go to Dayton to get a play-in game. Well, Ole Miss is not a bubble team, and frankly, neither is Arkansas <laughs> for very <laughs> different reasons. And, and Ole Miss took care of business in a major way against the Hogs, 77-51. to 51. Isaac, that was your final score, and Tremont Mark did not play for the Razorbacks. Uh, Trevon Brazil was out for the second half of this game, so you're missing your two best players. Certainly that plays a role, but yeah. – this team has just been disjointed the entire season. Their their backcourt is really inconsistent. They're not getting the performances that they need to get from many of the transfers that they brought in. The team shot under 23% from three, shot 33% from the field. Keon Menefield and Khalif Battle combined to shoot five of 19. Like they got out rebounded by 15 by Ole Miss. Like this team is just, they're not, they're not good. And, and they're, I mean, they're one in five in the SEC. Like it is been a pretty shockingly bad season as somebody who was not super high on them before the season began. And and we heard about it quite a bit in the comment section on YouTube. And I suspect a lot of those people are are not necessarily following the team anymore because it has been a rough, rough stretch for the Hogs. I think they'll, they'll figure it out. Not this year. I I think that they'll figure it out in the future and and muscle make some adjustments, but man, uh, this has been a shockingly rough season for, for this Arkansas squad. Andy, how has it been with all those fans coming out of the woodwork to apologize to you <laughs> for, uh, you know, being mad at you for? No, most of them are mad at me about my Auburn takes now. So it's just kind of just when oh, they man. just switch to being mad about something else. That's kind of the nature of how it goes. Well, look, Arkansas has got a chance to get things right this weekend or make it much, much worse as they host Kentucky inside Bud mm-hmm. Walton Arena. We'll talk about that probably on tomorrow's show. Mm-hmm. Um, Andy, I, I want to push back on one thing. I'm not so sure that Ole Miss's tournament status is mm-hmm. as secure as yeah. maybe. The right now i don't think but yeah they could certainly fall into that conversation yeah. and obviously this win helps well isaac northwestern now has wins over purdue illinois and michigan state after taking down the illini on wednesday evening what does it mean for chris collins and the wildcats we're going to tell you after a word from today's sponsor ebay motors Passion, drive, patience, that's what brings home the winning trophy, and it's also what helps keep your ride or die alive. And eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. And with over 122 million parts to choose from for your ride or die, you will always find exactly what you're looking for. Plus, with eBay's guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your car every time or you get your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that W. So keep your your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply, and eBay's guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. Well, Isaac, another Big Ten game and another chance for Northwestern to pick up a major victory, and they get it done in overtime against the Illini. 96-91 to victory 
for Northwestern. Uh, Illinois becomes the 41st ranked team to be upset by an unranked team this season. 41 of them. It has been a season of parody for college basketball. And, and yeah. frankly, Northwestern has been a big part of it. Obviously, they had that big win back in December against Purdue. We mentioned they beat Michigan State. And uh, I spoke a little bit about the Big Ten on Tuesday's episode of uh, locked on college basketball. We kind of talked about like who is going to be that team that kind of steps up. Wisconsin and Purdue are at the top. Illinois was kind of in a tier right below them. And, and Northwestern was right there as well. And now they've kind of pushed themselves a little bit further into that conversation. We were kind of having some some a little too early bubble conversations there in the first segment. And, and Northwestern's kind of another team where this is a, an opportunity, the kind of game that that puts you maybe a spot further. If you were first four out, now you're last four in type of thing. And I think Northwestern at this point has probably put themselves in a position where uh, they, they should be safely in the field. I think I think personally that the resume looks good enough to me with what they've done. They have some bad losses. The quad four loss to Chicago State is a nightmare. I mean, that's a really, really that's bad loss. That's like a hangnail on your pinky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's going <laughs> to stick with you for the rest <laughs> of the year. That's a, that's a tough one, but this was an incredible performance. Boo Booey is, is one of the most, if not the most clutch player in college basketball. You yeah. never want to be in a close game against Northwestern with him on the floor. He is an absolute menace. And he knocked, he got it done in this game. Really, really good stuff from Northwestern and, and a tough loss for Illinois. It was. Also, it just sounded like you were quoting Princess Bride. You ever seen that movie? Yes, of course. You never want to be in a land war with whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounded like. You're just talking about. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, yeah, and man, I mean, very seriously, for Northwestern, like I remember where I was and what I was doing that overtime win over Purdue. Mm -hmm. um, and same kind of thing with this one. These are massive wins. And with all due respect to Wisconsin, over probably the two best teams mm -hmm. in the conference, particularly now that Illinois has Terrence Shannon Jr. back. Mm -hmm. And so to pick these up, man, that's yeah. so big time. Yeah. Speaking of Terrence Shannon Jr., Andy, we probably need to have, we can talk more about the specifics of this game, mm -hmm. but I think we, we saw on Wednesday night, what's going to happen every time Illinois goes on the road, the rest of the season, um, you very accurately um, <laughs> put it in the terms of kind of paralleling what Alabama had to go through last year mm -hmm. um, after everything happened with Brandon Miller and then just people chanting all sorts of who knows what at that young man that no one should have to go through like, like, like whatever. But uh, Terrence Shannon Jr. is going to be facing that every time they hit the road. Um, in this one, you, you were the one that caught that the crowd was chanting. No means no. Yeah. And like, very, like, very loud, <laughs> very loud, very loud. And so yeah. like it or not, whatever you feel about the whole situation, mm -hmm. I'm just strictly talking basketball here, Andy. Yeah. And the fact that Illinois is going to have to deal with that because every non-home crowd will give that to him. I don't care how far they make it in the tournament, even at neutral sites, they're going to be hearing it. Yeah, 100%. And it'll be interesting to see how they respond to that. Uh, what what you know they they played well without Shannon Jr. Like they they had the I think they had a slip up against Maryland, but otherwise they played pretty well without him. And they're clearly a better team with him. I'm not implying they're not, but sure it is now a different situation that they find themselves in. And and we'll be curious to see how Brad Underwood responds to that and, and how this team can kind of react to that because Northwestern. I mean, this was a really close game throughout, but th this Northwestern team played really really well. Yeah. Uh, they got the job done. Uh, I'm I'm curious to see what it's going to mean for them. Illinois, it it does it's not a a huge hit for them. Again, I, I kind of talked in this on Tuesday's show, like unranked losses are not all created equal. And, and like this, right. while, you know, Kentucky's loss to South Carolina is bad because of the blowout nature of it. South Carolina is a pretty good team. And for Illinois, like 
this they didn't lose to you know one of, they didn't lose to Michigan, which oddly would be like the worst loss they could oh, suffer yeah. in the conference or Rutgers, but they lost to Northwestern, who's really good, and I think it's going to not damage Illinois too much, provided they can respond well from this, which they have to prove that they're capable of doing. Uh, I think it's it's not going to hurt them as much as it's going to help Northwestern because I think this is a really big win for the Wildcats. That's really well said, Andy. Yeah, this is more of a benefit to Northwestern than mm-hmm. a deficit to Illinois. Point proven, they're still 10th at Ken Palm, even after the refresh of the loss. Andy, you uh, were curious about, and I'm really interested on this conversation, is Northwestern the best, uh, the third best team in the Big Ten? Um, And so obviously we got to have a conversation there with that question of Purdue, Mm -hmm. Illinois, Wisconsin, and Northwestern, and and anybody else you might have right behind them. So let me put it to you this way. Over under Northwestern finishing 3.5 in the Big Ten regular season standings. That is a tough question. I'm going to say under. I think they finished fourth, but they well, they, so they don't have the tiebreaker over Illinois because those they, those two they split, teams split. Yes, right. So that that doesn't help them much. Um, I think they're probably going to finish fourth, but I'm not super confident in Wisconsin. Like they barely barely snuck by Minnesota, and frankly, if they had lost that game, I think this entire crux of this conversation could be different. <laughs> yeah. um, but they didn't. They escaped. They managed to win, but they also have the loss to Penn State, which is very ugly. Like this Wisconsin team uh, plays down in ways that we haven't. seen seen a lot of the other teams do in this conference. Granted, Purdue's two losses were not necessarily to the strongest teams, but um, I'm, I'm curious if Wisconsin can can hold on because I think they might be the weakest out of the group, especially because Northwestern already has a handful of really quality wins. But my gut says they're going to finish fourth right behind those big three. Yeah, I would go with that as well. I also realize that asking over-under is weird because uh, over could be like, better or worse i just ignored the over under part of your question (laughs) right like when we say that something is subpar we mean that it's bad but being subpar is actually a very good thing it's that whole kind of thing yeah anyway andy let's that great great big 10 game love it what a battle that was so fun to watch and we were watching and texting in real time that was great let's move to the big east Mm -hmm. where saint john's my dude absolutely obliterated Villanova on Wednesday night, 70 to 50. The Johnnies have actually now swept Villanova and it's for the first time since 1993, Andy. (laughs) I was like nine, something like that. Villanova, four and four in Big East play. They've lost four of their last five. Ah, yeah. Is this this a St. John's conversation or is this a Villanova conversation that we're having? I was going to start with the St. John's side, which I think is just that Rick Pitino kind of exercised some demons. They've lost a lot of games the last two weeks of um, by like one point, two points, three points. Like they've had so many really, really close calls and like two or three points here. There is a difference between St. John's being like kind of right in that bubble conversation right now versus like being a top 25 team. Like that's the difference is like three points in two games. And so I think they really needed this like cathartic, let's go out and just like pound somebody. And they did it to a really good Villanova team or expected to be good Villanova (laughs) team that, that just hasn't been there. I mean, for their last five losses for Villanova, granted they came very close against UConn closer than the final score. The the final score is a little closer because of that fun half court three from Armstrong, but This Villanova team, you know, last year was a disappointment, but there was injuries. It was Kyle Neptune's first year. They were kind of forgiven. This year started off kind of rocky. Then they won uh, in Atlantis, and everybody was like, okay, maybe this team's going to be fine. 
And really, since then, outside of a few peaks, they haven't been very good. And with a team that they have, they're not dealing with injury issues anymore, they brought in high-profile transfers who have failed to perform at the level they expected. And at some point, I mean, I think you have the conversation about, like, is this working out with Coach Neptune? And I don't think you're at that point yet, but you you got to be getting close. I mean, this team. I mean, this team has not performed nearly at the expectation they had this season, and they mm-hmm. didn't meet that expectation last year. Mm-hmm. And at some point, you run out of excuses. And again, I don't think they're there yet. But like the seats warming up for Coach Neptune, without a doubt. This Villanova team is uh, they they don't accept mediocrity uh, at that program, and that's kind of what they're staring at right now. Yeah, yeah, you just hate to see it, especially after the way that that Coach Jay Wright left it. I mean, I mean, there was just in such a good spot. I mean, the yeah. injury, I, I hate it because the injuries have played such a role yeah. in both of these seasons. Um, but I mean, it is what it is. You got to, everyone has nicks and cuts and bruises. You got to figure out yeah. ways to do it. And Andy, by the way, the same, in the same way as uh, we, you know, you were so right on your Arkansas stuff. I'm still waiting for apologies for people that got mad at me for not having Justin Moore on my first team all Big East because uh, <laughs> I don't think he's sitting there no, right, not now. right now. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, as you said, St. John's desperately needed this after that three-game losing streak to keep their um, kind of uh, NCAA tournament resume in better shape. Andy, <laughs> Iowa State escapes with the win over Kansas State at home, although that final margin looks a lot better than the game actually was. <laughs> Maryland gets a game winner over Iowa. We got those and more coming up in our six-pack here in just a second. All right, Andy, we've got our six-pack for the good people today. we got five games, and then the sixth piece is actually going to be uh, letting you know a little bit of what's going on on Thursday night. Spoiler alert, it's not a great slate. Um, I'm going to start. I told Andy I was going to choose in real time which order we were going <laughs> to go in. We're staying in the Big East, Andy. Patton Providence gets a much-needed 67-63 win over Seton Hall, who, by the way, I should mention was without Kadari Richmond on Wednesday night. Look, that's a huge blow. You mm-hmm. cannot, uh, you know, th- there is no way to say like, oh, we're we're fine. Like that is a massive loss yeah. for um, Shaheen Holloway's team on Wednesday night. But Alamir Daz gets 26 points on 9 of 22 shooting to help offset that. But Providence, man, again, great win for them. Really, really needed it. The Friars now 4-4 four and four in Big East play. Um, had lost four in a row uh, before beating uh, DePaul and Seton Hall. So Seton Hall now, you know, after that great start, now has three Big East losses, Andy. Mm-hmm. I think I said this on yesterday's show when I was flying solo, mm-hmm. but water's finding its level a little bit now yeah. in the Big East standings. And uh, Creighton has slowly snuck up. Marquette has now slowly snuck up. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we're probably going to see those three teams at the top. Moving over to the Big 12, Iowa State, the Cyclones, avoided what would have been an unranked loss. Again, one of those pretty good unranked losses. They were playing a Kansas State team that has played a lot better as of late. But uh, a game that was it felt like it was tied every time we checked the score for pretty much the entire first <laughs> half and the entire second half. It was always within two to three points. And then very suddenly in the last minute, two minutes Two and a half minutes of the game or so, Iowa State, 13-1 run to close out the game. They end up winning by 12 points, 15 points, 13 boards for Kashawn Gilbert. Really, really nice game from him. Cyclones are now 4-2 and two in the Big 12. Same record as Kansas State. Both those teams have been very quality very quality so far in conference play. Uh, Wildcats miss what would have been a chance to probably move into the top 25 with a win here over Iowa State. Probably would have replaced Iowa State in the top 25, but instead the Cyclones hang on uh, and get another opportunity to, to potentially kind of stay at the top or near the top of the standings in the big 12. 
Yeah, what's Jerome Tang doing getting a tee with two minutes to go in this game? Yeah, yeah, that did not help his team's chances. Come on, bro. He and uh, Coach Otzelberger had an interesting talk near half court mm-hmm. after the game. I'm curious to hear what was said. Number three in our six-pack, Maryland. We haven't talked about Maryland much this season, Andy, mm-hmm. because, frankly, they've been one of the biggest appointments in, yeah. disappointments in the entire nation. But they do get a win over Iowa on Wednesday night, thanks to a Jameer Young game winner, 69-67. And Jameer Young, you know, despite whatever Maryland is, is an absolute dude. Got 22-7 and in this game on 7-15. and Shooting for Maryland, they move up move up to 4-5 and in Big Ten play, while Iowa, with uh, their always high-level offense and always terrible defense, falls to 3-5. and Speaking of teams that have been disappointing this year, we're going to go over to Virginia, Charlottesville. Overtime victory for Tony Bennett's team. They outlast NC State 59-53. to They've now won 21 games in a row at home. That is the nation's longest winning streak at home. So shout out to them for that. Uh, This was another classic Virginia game. North Carolina State had 15 points in the first half. It was ugly, ugly, ugly. Virginia then only scored 20 points in the second half, which is how it ended up tied before it went into overtime. Uh, Ultimately, this game was won on the glass by the Cavs. 54 to 32 was the rebounding advantage for Virginia. That is a massive, massive uh, help boost to them. The fact that they had to still go into overtime to win is a testament to the offensive issues they are having, but uh, a needed win for them uh, to keep them kind of in that bubble conversation. It's a tough loss for NC State, but uh, a lot of these ACC teams have kind of been uh, beating each other up in the middle of the conference and have not really, hasn't been a lot of teams rising out towards the top outside of Carolina, of course. Yeah. Man, uh, Virginia, these home road splits are wild, Andy. I can't get over it. It's good stuff. Uh, let's stay in the SEC where uh, – The Andy, ACC? ACC, good grief. <laughs> I know conferences. Uh, where, look, Miami narrowly – not narrowly by the final score, but at one point in this game felt like they were maybe going to get a, a top spot, top billing in the show for mm. losing to both Louisville and Notre Dame. The Irish, Andy – Hung with Miami at home, had a lead uh, with like eight minutes left, but Miami was able to overcome and pick up a win. I cannot figure out this Hurricanes team after their final four run last year. It's just not the same. It's almost like you just mentioned North Carolina. It's almost like them from, you know, two years ago to what happened last year. Miami's kind of in a similar boat. Uh, but they do get this win. Norchad O'Meara went nuts. Yeah. 33 points, 10 of 11 from two, two of three from three, seven of nine from the free throw line, 10 boards, three steals. Just ridiculous stuff from the undersized big from Miami who does a little bit of everything. Canes, just four and four in the ACC. Wild stuff there. By the way, you mentioned AC, NC State. They fall off that lead a little bit further. Final six-pack action here is we're going to preview a few games, or just mostly just mention a few games that are happening on Thursday. It's not a particularly good slate. There's only one ranked team in action. That is the Wildcats of Arizona, and they're going to Oregon State to Corvallis to take on a very bad Oregon State Beavers team, so not a particularly enthralling matchup there. There are a few others I'll mention briefly here. Vermont at UMass Lowell in the America East. We bring this one up because both those teams are undefeated in conference play. Always fun to see that kind of matchup. Uh, We got SMU at North Texas in the American Athletic Conference. Both those teams 
are four and one. Uh, staying in the Pac-12, Arizona State goes to Eugene to take on the Ducks. Those teams are both five and two. A uh, good opportunity for Oregon if they are able to hold steady at home and win that one. They could potentially sneak into the top 25 or at least put themselves uh, in a better spot in the Pac-12 standings. Uh, then we got San Francisco going up to Spokane to take on Gonzaga. Both those teams are four and one in the WCC. Gonzaga uh, has beat up on Pepperdine. They've beat up on San Diego, but they lost to Santa Clara. Now uh, San Francisco is the third best team in this conference. Be interesting to see if the Zags are able to hold, hold and get a victory at home, which they desperately need. I want to finally close it out mentioning Colorado State and Nevada, which has been going on as we have been recording here. According to ESPN, there's 14 seconds left and Nevada is up by 13. So I think that, that the Wolfpack is going to take a victory over. This will be another unranked team beating a ranked team but again these two teams are pretty evenly matched in fact as you noted earlier Isaac uh, Nevada was actually nine and a half point favorites despite being the unranked team and it looks like they're going to cover so good for them good for Nevada for picking up a victory there Uh, New Mexico is currently up on San Jose State in Mountain West action as well and Colorado is really taking it to Washington in a major way Uh, about eight minutes left in that one but Colorado's got a big lead so uh, barring a big comeback from Mike Hopkins squad. I'm thinking the buffs are going to get a victory there. By the way, Andy, quick shouts to you folks. If you're interested in more in that San Francisco Gonzaga matchup, mm-hmm. Andy has San Francisco head coach, Chris Gerlifson on mm-hmm. his locked on Zag show. Andy, just want to shout you out. Big props, man. That's a good get folks. Make sure you check out locked on Zags today as well. I appreciate it. Thank you. That is going to wrap it up for us today here on the Lockdown College Basketball Podcast. We're going to be back on Friday, getting you ready for another great, great weekend of college basketball action coming up. Uh, Thanks again to those of you who have made this show your first listen or your first watch of the day. And shout out to those of you in our Discord channel where we'll be chatting about these games all weekend long. If you want to join us in that Discord channel, it is free. There is a link in the show notes on both audio and video platforms. But for now, until Friday... Go Wildcats. Apologies to the lawyer family. Peace out.